0: I think it's Micah. In 1944, Don Gardner was an elementary school music teacher, and his second grade class shows up, and he asks them this question, What do you guys want for Christmas? And he looks around the room, and just about all of them is missing at least one front tooth. So, the answers start coming. Later in the afternoon, he was inspired to write a simple little song all I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. I bet you didn't think that came from Smithfield, New York. <laughs> I didn't. I thought that came from Disney World. He writes the song in about 30 minutes and carries it on for about four years as he's going around to different conferences, and the song gets picked up and becomes a tremendous hit, and now we all sing All I Want for Christmas. I hate that song. part of why, you know, you just remember missing my two front teeth as a kid, but I also remember being asked the question, what do you want for Christmas, and missing those times where you didn't really get what you wanted for Christmas. When I was uh, about in that same ballpark, I I think I was in second grade, I asked for a remote control helicopter, and I got it. And it was incredible and it had a wire on it that went up right it wasn't a modern day you know remote control helicopter like we would have now it wasn't a drone for sure and I remember flying that thing around for a week before I broke it and then it was gone but there are things that when we are asked what do you want for Christmas sometimes we'll we'll say it going "Ah, I'm not really gonna get that or When you ask God for something, you're thinking, "Ah, I'm not really going to get that. Maybe that's a little insignificant. Maybe that's not a big enough deal. And then there are things that really light your heart up. There are deep issues that move us. And when we ask God for those things, we've been asking for a while. For instance, I need a spouse I've been dating for all this time and I just can't find the right one. I lost my dad and I just wish the pain would go away. I need a job. These are practical things that we, that we want that I believe God knows the desires of our heart. Who believes that? I mean, not just Christians believe that God is good and that he's great and that If I pray long enough, I believe in prayer and that God is gonna answer it. But a lot of times, I'll be honest, I say things like, I want this for Christmas, but I'm not really sure whether it can happen or not. God, give me a child. I've had many friends who have gone through years of pain not being able to have kids, brokenness through addiction whether it's a family member or yourself, breaking the chains that come with that. I want to tell you tonight that God wants to answer your prayer. No matter how insignificant or how powerful it is, God knows your heart. And I believe that we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that will encourage you that we're going to pull out three secrets to God answering our prayer. Things that must take place for there to be communication between me and God. God is a good God. If you have your Bibles, look up Luke chapter 1. Many of us read Luke chapter 2 on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning as we were growing up. Luke chapter 1 was a prelude. And while you're looking that up, I want to tell you about a couple of characters that are in that. Zacharias and Elizabeth are older in age. That means they were at least 60. Some I've read, many scholars believe that she was about 88 and he was older in his 90s. For 400, He was a priest and for 400 years since Malachi 4 had prophesied that Elijah was coming back. The Israelites hadn't heard anything. So he's a priest in a dead church, it seems. But week in and week out, he's doing his priestly duties. He's still just going, and she's doing her stuff. Can you imagine not having any answer to prayer for 400 years in your culture? After a while, people were going to go, Yeah, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's exactly what, what was happening. There was legalism that existed. There was a lot of dead weight when it came to spiritual depth. And he's a priest in this environment. I want to invite you. We're going to read verses uh, 5 through 7. I'm going to invite you right now. The words are going to be on the screen. But stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And that's where we are today. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. You can be seated. They had no child. They're both advanced in years. They had a huge need, and the cry of their heart was, Lord, I want a child. I feel stupid even asking for this child. But hey, 400 years before, Elijah's going to come. The promise is still there. The Israelites had been answered prayer all through the Old Testament. They believed that God was a good God, so they stayed the course. Before Jesus comes, Malachi says, Elijah's going to come. An angel comes to this couple who is promised John the Baptist. They say that's going to be the answer. Not only are you going to get a child, but he is going to be the answer to a prophecy for the whole nation because of your faithfulness. Let me ask you this question. Wouldn't it be cool if you could start getting your prayers answered no matter how big and impossible you think they are? Three keys. Number one. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. We often think of ourselves as, I'm not righteous, I'm a sinner. But we're all sinners. But it's by grace that we're saved, not yet of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We're righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, They were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They were righteous, and they proved it by walking righteous. That's a good example for us today. Your heart is right with God, your hands will be right with God. If your heart is right with God, your feet will be right with God. Psalm sixty-six eighteen 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart... If I regard what I want more than God, if I regard my sin and don't turn from it, I'm cheapening the gospel. The Lord will not hear me. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you want him to hear you? The reason that Jesus was sent for you and me was because sin existed. He died for you and me because he couldn't coexist with sin. He's righteous and because of his blood I'm righteous. I don't know why this happens to me except that it's real. That's all I know is what I think of what he gave up, that I might have life. And then when I realized what I'd been forgiven of, it was easy for me to turn from what I admonished before, which was him. Turn to him away from the iniquity that I regarded in high esteem in my own heart. That while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He said, David, you're valuable. I love you. I'm God. You're valuable. Let's go. If I have regard for sin over the salvation that's offered to me, God says you can pray for hours and hours and hours and it's going to bounce right off the ceiling. The reason that I came, David, was to get rid of that. That you would regard a true love that I have for you, which is free. I'm a God of light and cannot exist in darkness Why do you love darkness? I have heard so many people say, I'm afraid to turn because I'm afraid of what I have to give up. Let me tell you something you have no idea what you're going to get. And you're valuing something that's not worth anything for longer than a week. I could have a child for 25 years and die and be lost. I could have all the things that this world promises, which is exactly how Jesus was tempted, and be miserable in my walking around life and then die separated from Christ. That's worth crying about, in my opinion. That when we see Him reveal Himself to us in forgiveness, we receive His light and His mercy in his grace and his ears mark this down james 5:16 says therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person avails much it has great power as it is working elizabeth and zacharias weren't sinless No one is sinless, but they were blameless because they dealt with sin when it came up in their lives, and they turned from it and went, not going to do that again. It was a lifestyle choice. Oh, I didn't realize that that was my tendency. Lord, forgive me, I turn, and I'm still all yours. What we tend to do is we hang on to major lifestyle sins and say, I'm afraid to give that up because I feel like he might ask me to. I can't give him my entire heart. Watch your prayers stop here. I would say that the best thing you could ever do is to give him your entire heart. When I was about 16 years old, my dad and I went and I got a Honda Accord And I was all fired up about this thing. I learned how to do the maintenance, change the oil, and vacuum it, and did every... I took care of that thing like Dylan takes care of his Mustang. (laughs) It was in immaculate shape all the time until one day it would not start, and I was frustrated and didn't know what was going wrong. Well, I asked Dad, because I didn't know. I mean, there's an engine in there, but I have no idea what it does. I mean, I know it runs it, but I don't know how I could make it run. We open it up, and he looks right away, and he says, Well, listen, your battery terminals are all gunked up. So he says, Go inside and grab me a Coke. So I do. I had a sip. (laughs) He had a sip. He had his scrub brush. He pours them on the terminals, cleans up the terminals, tightens the terminals, and it starts right up. Sin is like gunk on your terminals that keep you from running, period. Sin is like gunk in your terminals, and Jesus Christ is like Coke that cleanses without eating your paint and all the other bad stuff that it does. So don't, you know, at the end of the service, I'll buy you a Coke. Your life can be like that battery. What you have to do is take the blood of Jesus, the Coke, apply it to your terminals, your heart, and you will run, and he will hear. 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, as he is in the light, not as we think he's in the light, but as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, God's Son, will cleanse us from all sin. You have to walk in the light, not just talk in the light. Rhetoric does not get us to heaven unless it's sincere from the heart to a God who is real. You have to get your heart right for your prayers to be answered. Not only do you have to get your heart right, but I can't hold on to anything. We tell people, I've, I've had people come into my office and say, we want you to marry me. I want you to marry me. We want to get married. Okay, well, where are we? And after a little bit, of, camp, well, we're living together and we're having sex and we're doing all this stuff. And I said, well, here's what Scripture says and my most important point is, I want you connected with God first because we want him to bless the wedding but have nothing to do with the marriage. So I'm like, well, I'm sorry if you're not willing to do these few things before, you're surely not going to do anything after. So I'm sorry I can't perform the wedding. When we realize realized in our own lives what he has done, we simply pick his word up and say, what does he say that I should do? If I want... Blessing in my finances. If I want a good relationship with Ash, how should I treat my wife? I should pray. And what does Scripture say? If I'm off and I'm mean to her, my prayers will be hindered. That's what. That's what the Bible says. That when I get up before you and say a bunch of nice teaching words and treat my wife like trash, God doesn't hear my prayers. That's true. So how important it is that we ought to know what he wants from us. We will not receive God's blessings without first surrendering to his lordship. The Lord said, start doing what I say. Get yourself on blessing ground. I will hear you and then watch what happens in your life as it changes. Look at verse 6 again. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes. That means they had a legitimate, real relationship with the Lord. If I want a real, genuine relationship with my wife, I'm honest with my wife. I'm not running around on her and telling her that I'm not. Right? I am 100% honest with her, not wanting to hurt her, but treat her like a vase that is valuable. God treats us the same way. He says that we as a church are the bride of Christ, and that He died for you, die for each other. We tend to think of ourselves, and judge each other, and their sin, rather than, and we miss out on our own personal walk with God. James five sixteen again, confess your sins to who? One another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. They had a walk with God. They did it together. Elizabeth walked with God. Zacharias walked with God, and they grew in their relationship with the Lord. 2 Peter 3:18 says, "But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. If we're not growing, we're dying. We're not just staying stagnant. We're going backwards. How is your relationship with God? Is it growing? Maybe you have to do some soul searching of your own. Just ask God, can I be more like Elizabeth? Can I be more like Zacharias? Help me to be. Your righteousness is important to me. Show me and pray like David prayed. Search me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Number two, God hears your tears. Thank goodness. (laughs) I'm good at that. Verse seven says, and they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. There was some desperation, the cry of their heart. We know what it was. It was for a child. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, that's what they wanted. The word barren in the Greek is the word stereos, from which we get our word sterile. It wasn't going to happen. She was sterile. She couldn't have children. She was begging. And now the years were advanced, so she's 88 years old to some. She misses her window of opportunity, and now she thinks there's no way this is even possible. But she doesn't give up. Picture an exhausting time in your life where you have repeated the prayer over and over and over again. I am in my early 50s, and there have been times when I have prayed so long that I felt like 15 years have gone by. Imagine being 80-something years old and praying the same prayer since you're a teenager it puts things into perspective. God says, "Let's really get real here. Once you really talk to me, what's deep down in your heart will show up in your prayer life. There's nothing too big that he can't hear if he's God. I can cry all day long when no nobody's around and I'm before I can I should be able to open up, but it's not always the case." Sometimes we just sit there and go, I don't even know where to start. And we're not totally honest with God because maybe I've harbored something else that's sitting. I never got past secret one. And then I don't trust that God is going to listen to me if I do truly open up. Psalm 62 8 says, trust in him at all times O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge, a safe place. He is the only safe place, truly safe place you can go before. If you are looking for a spouse, start there. If you can trust God, then you're trustworthy as a husband. If you can trust God and he trusts you, then you're trustworthy as a wife. And you begin to develop character you never knew existed before because you're you're free to live. You're free to be and function under his protection and refuge. Psalm 56.8 says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. God hears from you every time. If he's not answering or it's because you're not giving him your complete heart. It doesn't mean he doesn't hear. He just isn't going to answer. He's going to Shut the ceiling until you surrender to him. But he's there, and he's recording it, and he loves you. So right where you are, you can cry out to him for anything. We tend to be careful and guarded when it comes to the really deep stuff, because I'm afraid if I ask this, he's not going to give it to me. Why is an 80-something-year-old woman what I ask for a child? That's the dumbest thing ever. Apparently not. I think there's a lot we could learn from that. Here's the key. When you're vulnerable, you become intimate with God. When you are vulnerable in your closet, when nobody else is around, intimacy begins to build. We've got to let our guard down. Some of us, one of the reasons we notice other people have a relationship with the Lord is we don't have one. Because we might not be sharing everything for fear. God is a loving God, and he he knows your heart already. Unload it. That is the one safe place. It's harder when you get up after you unload it to live out what you promised. But let me tell you something. If you're willing, he knows while you're praying, and he will empower you to live when you get up. Trust him at all times is what that passage says. Oh, people, pour out your heart before him. You remember Jacob? He had two wives. One he thought was really attractive and the other kind of had soft eyes. Or <laughs> Rachel was the really attractive one, but Leah was giving him all the kids. So Rachel cries out and she ends up giving him Joseph. She cried out later in her life. God answered her prayer. Give me children lest I die. was literally how the Bible read it. God is the good God. And Elizabeth and Zacharias poured out their heart to the Lord. And I think we need to do the exact same. We pray for stuff. And we want that. Here's another issue. We pray for the things, and then when we get to the honest, I'm going to pray for everything, we want an answer like next week. I want the answer now. When I order something, for we, we went on Black Friday shopping, and I go on to Amazon because I'm not going to a store ever again. <laughs> it's awesome. You order it, you're done, You, and it's coming, and it tells you when it's coming. Wednesday, your package will be here Wednesday. Okay, this is the best service ever. I didn't have to leave the house. I got exactly what I wanted, and I know when it's going to get there. It's not the same when we cry out to God that way. We expect him to answer by Wednesday, and when he doesn't, the devil plants seeds in our minds that he's not real. God doesn't care about you. He never heard you the prayer in the first place. We hang on and hang on, and we quit praying. We just give up after a while. Well, he heard me before. God heard me. The devil wants you to stop that God might not be glorified when he finally comes around and answers. When you see your prayers not getting answered and you poured out your heart to the Lord for that wayward son or daughter, they're still wayward. You just give up and say, I'm just getting tired of this situation. God doesn't really care about you, Satan says. Well, absolutely he does. He's not able to help in this situation. Is he God or is he not? God is not me. And God knows better than me. And God had a better plan for them. And if he'd have done that at 20, when she was normal, when everybody else was having kids, there's a great miracle for you. Satan feeds us lies from the inside out. And when you believe what you say to yourself when you're driving down the road, rather than the word of God, you miss his promises, and often we miss his blessings out of fear for giving him our heart. Don't believe the lie. He is the father of lies. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we miss the blessings because we don't do this. Psalm 37, 4, which I mentioned earlier. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. God, I love that passage. Delight literally means to make yourself soft and pliable, like a you're making a ceramic pot on a wheel. Without the water, without the spinning, they just dry up. God does, God adds the water. He adds the spinning, and he molds us to be who he wants. All we have to do is be related to him and go, here I am. Mold me and make me and shape me. Laying down my body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. My mind will be changed later. It's a picture of the potter and the clay. You are not the potter. (laughs) You are the clay. Make yourself soft, God says, so that I can move in you and make you valuable. Delight yourself in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. The word desire literally means request. It's a petition. You're asking of something. We think of a desire as something much different oftentimes, Almost as lust, I have to have that. But it's a request. God knows what's good for us. And just because I ask for something doesn't mean he's going to give me everything I ask for. As a matter of fact, the more that I've delighted myself in him to be the clay, he puts me in places that I never thought I could enjoy. He's taken me to relationships that brought the best out of me. That's what clay does. Oh, you want me to go through the ad open door? Okay, here I go, Lord. How do you know you're going with the Lord? You know, you absolutely know, you know, because he's told you and he's opened doors that no man can shut. He will not stop doing that. The more we relate to him and grow, the more real these walking around situations are. He gives us the right job. I might've had to have a few other ones in the process. He didn't necessarily give me the right job before 14 years went by, right? I got called into ministry at 48 years old. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) No, I got called a lot sooner, but I was a terrible, terrible lump of clay. Two things that I was thinking about that. There's two different people involved. One, me, and the other is God. There's God's part to do the molding. And then there's my part to do the surrendering. I am the clay. He is the potter. His part in this passage is to give me the desires of my heart. Mine is to delight myself in the Lord. It's harder to delight yourself in the Lord than it is for him to give you the desires of your heart. What we tend to do is say, why isn't God giving me the desires of my heart? Maybe it's not God. Maybe it's you that's inhibiting God from giving you the desires of your heart. Maybe the problem's not with God. If you need a job and you pray for a job, what do you do when you get up from your prayer? I'll just wait for the phone to ring. No, you go look for a job. There's a lot of participation that should be happening in our relationship with God. The scripture clearly tells us to be active participants in our own salvation. And if you are actively participating, you're actively waiting, you're actively working, God cannot steer a parked vehicle. He will drive you where he wants you to go. He will put cones up. He will put drunk drivers in your way. But he will get you where you're going if you are faithful like they were. Look at secret number three. God's delays are not God's denials. The Lord says in Jeremiah 33, Call to me and I will answer you to show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you. How many people believe when you call to God, he will answer? It might take a while, but you believe God answers. You know what he doesn't say. He doesn't say when he'll answer. And that's the frustrating part. That's the Amazon part, is I want the date that it's going to be delivered, and I want to know what it looks like, and I want to know how much hair he's going to have, and does he look like his mother? That's what I want to know. The Lord is not so interested in time, though. He's interested in timing. And sometimes His timing is for my good. The timing has to be right, so you don't know when the timing is. God knows it, and I have to simply believe in my heart that God knows what's best for me. So everything working up to the time where the prayer is answered could be God working in me as part of the answer to that prayer. True or false? Absolute true. It could be the door. It could be the other job. It could be the, I'm dating terrible people to figure out that I'm a moron and I keep going with all these dates. There's things that we ask for that we're not ready for. I have to mature a little bit before I can move up in my job, for instance. If I can't submit and surrender here, he's not going to make me ruler over bigger things. That's right out of the Bible. Think about how David was anointed to be king. You know how old he was? Twelve. He's in the middle of nowhere, tending sheep, anointed to be king at twelve years old. When did he become king? When he was thirty. That's a long time. Eighteen years goes by and David's sitting out there going, hmm, these sheep are getting boring. I thought they stuck oil on my head. He had to be answered, asking himself at some point, when is this going to happen? Joseph, we talked about it just a couple of weeks ago. 13 years go by before he's in the palace where he's imprisoned and he was in a pit. Time goes by for growth to take place during the time that's going by. Don't get derailed because of delays. Keep delighting in the Lord, and he will do his part to give you the desires of your heart. And expect that he is working, and he has promises for you. Pray and believe, and you'll receive. Pray and doubt, and do without. Psalm 71, 14 says, But I will hope continually, and I will praise you more and more through thick and thin when we were on our when we were getting married Ashley and I are getting married we're promising for better or for worse I'm going to stay faithful how many people do not do that how many people stand up and go god bless this marriage and then they get uncomfortable when they go home and say she's nuts I can't deal with this I'm not going to a counselor I don't believe in doctors. And we have all the answers, and then we wonder why it didn't stick. Why didn't it stick? Because I didn't mean what I said right here. I didn't mean what I said before I got started. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It ought to be here, and then when you go out. It's better to die in faith than to live in doubt. When I look across, I have to make a commitment. I had to make a commitment to Ashley. I have to make one to my boys. I have to make one to God. Now, I want you to write down two statements as we wrap things up. Number one, don't stop doing what's right. We already made this point. In verses 8 through 12, now while he was serving, that's the key. While he was serving as priest... Before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen. While he was in the car and the car was moving, he was chosen. As they were doing their custom, he was chosen. By lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zachariah had trouble when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Zachariah was doing his regular job when God moved mightily, and the angel came and told him. And he couldn't wait to go home. The bad part of the story: he didn't believe him, and he had to go deaf and mute for a while. (laughs) But he got, he got John the Baptist. What's the point? He saw the angel. When did he see the angel? While he was serving as priest. He never quit serving even though he didn't get what he wanted. He just continued to do what he knew to do. Continue doing your last assignment and do it faithfully and do it with good character. And he will work eventually. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? It doesn't mean to sit around. You go apply for that job. Number two, don't lose sight of God's greatness and goodness. It's so easy to lose sight of God, which we say we believe in church is, oh, you're the most wonderful thing ever, and I've never loved anybody more. And now we got to go do life. Life has ups and downs. Life don't feel so good when you're in the process of living it. We lose sight of God's goodness and greatness when we're in the valley. Verse 13 says, But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid. He was afraid at first because God was moving. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. The word John, the name John, means Jehovah has been gracious. Verse 14 through 17 say, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not be drink drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. God has heard your prayers, Zacharias. Your faithfulness and your character has been heard. Once in a lifetime do those priests get to receive the lot to go into the Holy of Holies to burn incense. And he received it this night that the angel came and gave him this news, the answer to his prayer for years. God has heard you. God hears you and I. He's going to be the one that the Lord promised, and he's going to go before Jesus to pave the way. Don't ever lose sight of how good God is. Jesus said, of those born among women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. God's plan is always best. And I want you to, I want to wrap up with this. I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come back up. If you were, if you were thinking about this situation and you knew Zacharias and Elizabeth and you could ask them, would you have rather had the child, would you have rather had John the Baptist when you were 25 or now? It would be a no-brainer. I believe they would say 100% of the time, it means more now. All that we've been through and all that we've cried out for and all of the character that you, you have comforted us for all of this time and yet now the whole world knows a miracle has taken place. That 2,000 years later at Church of the Island on Dolphin Island in the middle of nowhere, they didn't have internet and we're talking about this story that was written over and over and over again because they were faithful and connected rightly to God there's a story about a golfer he was a golf pro was invited to go to Saudi Arabia and play in a tournament entertain the king king of Saudi Arabia has him in he's doing some golf tricks he spends three days with the king doing the tournament they all have a blast and at the end of the tournament the king looks at him and he says thank you so much for all you've done here you've been an incredible incredible entertainer i want to give you a gift he looks back and he says you've been so gracious you picked me up in a jet i'm living the lifestyles of the rich and famous i have everything that i need you don't have to give me you don't owe me anything now i want to give you a gift what what can i get you Well." I collect golf clubs. I love golf clubs. Okay, done. Gets on the plane, goes back home. A week goes by, nothing. Maybe he's gonna give me a gold putter. Another week goes by, nothing. Hmm. Maybe he's having it made. Maybe it's got emeralds and diamonds and stuff. Maybe Tiger Woods has played with this. Three and a half weeks go by, a guy shows up at the door, and he has a piece of paper and an envelope. The golfer says, "What, what is that? He said, it's a deed to your new golf club, 500 acre, 18 holes. really you know what I found when you delight yourself in the Lord he'll give you the desires of your heart beyond beyond what you could ask or imagine We need to think about Sarah, 90 years old, giving birth, not just to a boy or a man, but a nation of Israel. We need to think about Elizabeth, not just giving birth to a little boy or a man, but fulfilling a 400-year-old prophecy that you and I, might have salvation you and I thousands of years later would have a personal relationship with the God of the universe and this guy paved the way no man's been greater than John the Baptist Jesus said that himself if you have God in a box with the pictures of your desires on that box, it's too small. Take your pictures off of the box. The present that you have packed for yourself—that you're working years to pray that it comes true—and then you'll have a fulfilled life. Put it out. Put it outside. Put it on the potter's wheel. Right now it's almost like I'm on the pot, I'm the potter and my box of desires is the clay. I need to take that box and get rid of it and lay on the wheel. God wants to give you a golf club. Not a golf club. Let him. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to have an opportunity. I'm going to stand over here right by this cross. And if you need prayer for anything, no matter how insignificant or how big it is, God wants to answer that prayer. It would be nice if he would do it next Wednesday. But he wants to answer your prayer. If you don't know Christ and you want to, I'd love to give you more information for how you can follow in faith in Jesus Christ right now just be honest with him be willing to be real and deep with him and don't give up on yourself through thick and thin the stick in the relationship that he loves you let's pray and then we'll worship Lord as we as we read tonight the example of Elizabeth and Zacharias we see that you worked in the faithfulness of your people at Church of the Island we want to be faithful we want you to hear our prayers and we don't want anything to get in the way we want to be blessed and it's not easy to get on that wheel or throw our present out but Lord it's the strength to do that that we're asking for tonight there are people that we know that don't know you lord use us lord we pray that you would bless our ministries as we seek to serve you Lord, we don't want you to not hear our prayers lord as as we worship meet us and comfort us and encourage us in jesus name amen